turn back for a while to the passage of Scripture we read in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. And uh, we'll read again at the beginning. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. I grew up in uh, a street in London just across from a large Anglican church known as the Church of the Holy Spirit. And uh, the door of that church was always open during the day and as kids we often went in there and uh, the priest, Father Green, was very happy you know, for us to come in uh, as long as you know, we didn't muck about. He was very happy for us to come in to his church. And of course, at Christmas, there was always a nativity scene. And I'm sure we're all familiar with nativity scenes. My own grandchildren were involved in a nativity play uh, last uh, Lord's Day morning, and my granddaughter played the part of Mary. And we're all familiar with uh, uh, Mary and Joseph and the baby and the, the shepherds and the wise men. But it's a fanciful situation because in reality it never actually happened like that. Because when the Magi or the wise men turned up, the shepherds had long since departed and gone back to their fields. And the family were no longer in a stable but in a house, as we read here in verse 11. We read here that the wise men, when they had come, uh, to visit uh, Jesus, and when they had departed, they departed uh, by uh, a separate way to the way that they came. And immediately after they left, Joseph was warned in a dream to take the child and his mother and to flee to Egypt. Uh, and so straight away, as soon as the Magi, as they're called in, in Greek and in the NIV, as soon as they had departed from their visit to Jesus, uh, the family took off and went to Egypt. But we read in Luke's Gospel in chapter 2 that following the birth of Jesus, that Mary, the mother, had to wait a prescribed period. Uh, it was known as the rite of purification. And if you gave birth to a male child, then it was 40 days. And in chapter 2 of Luke's Gospel, we read there that they went up to the temple with the baby Jesus, and that's when they met godly Simeon and Anna. So that was 40 days that had elapsed since the birth of Jesus. And it was after that that the Magi, as they're called, or the wise men, turned up to visit. And it's very possible that the star had indeed appeared two years before, and that they had been following that star ever since, traveling. Joseph and Mary, we know, had come to Bethlehem because in the Roman Empire at that time there was a census, no doubt, for taxation purposes. And so they had to travel uh, down to Bethlehem because uh, Joseph himself, his ancestors, uh, he was a descendant of King David, his ancestors had come from Bethlehem. People had to go back to their point of origin in order to register and of course, at the time the Magi came, most of the people who had come and registered had gone back home. And maybe Joseph had decided uh, he, he would wait because Mary had to go through this 40 days of purification. 
and they would then take the child Jesus and present him in the uh, temple. And uh, so we're told here that these men came from the east. They saw this star. They didn't travel in a straight line because that would have taken them across the trackless wastes of the Arabian desert. They would have gone north, no doubt, uh, and they would have followed what was known as the King's Highway, which would have taken them through a more fertile region, uh, a, a more safe region, and that would have brought them eventually to the region of uh, Jerusalem. We're told that they came from the east. They didn't come from the barbarian north. They didn't come from the pagan south. They came from a part of the world where organized religion had been in existence for many, many centuries. But these men were not on a religious quest. I remember years ago, when shortly after I came to faith, and I met up with a former colleague of mine, and he said, oh, I, I hear that you've found religion. That's the way he uh, put it. Well, I hadn't found religion. I had been found by the Lord Jesus Christ, who came into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. But these men were not on a religious quest because back home, back in the east where they came from, there was as much religion as they could possibly have wanted. They came not seeking religion, but seeking an individual, a child who had been born king of the Jews, not a child who would one day grow up and become the king of the Jews. King Charles had to wait almost 75 years before he could become king of the United Kingdom. But this child here, we're told, was born as the king of the Jews. Remember when Mary, not long after she became pregnant, she went to see her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth was already three months pregnant with John the Baptist, or John who would become the Baptist. And when she went into the house of, of Elizabeth, the child, John, uh, was overjoyed. We read in Luke's Gospel and, and kicked within Elizabeth's womb. And she said to Mary, you know, why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to visit me? So even though Jesus was still a, a child in the womb of Mary, Elizabeth, her cousin, regarded that child as her Lord. He was already her Lord and Savior. And so here, these men, these exotic men, these Magi, and we have to say we know very, very little about them, they came not seeking religion, but seeking an individual. Many Westerners over the last 30, 40 years or so have looked to the East seeking spiritual enlightenment. They believe that we're in a post-Christian age. And many white British people have embraced uh, Buddhism and, and Islam. And just as in Paul's day, uh, Christ Jesus crucified is a stumbling block to many people uh, today and foolishness to others. And many people believe that by embracing Christianity, we are uh, committing intellectual suicide. But Paul, the great uh, apostle, uh, is regarded as one of the great minds the great intellectuals of history, a man of logic and sound reason, and yet he saw no contradiction in following the Lord 
Jesus. He stuck to the narrow way, and as Christians, we also must stick to the narrow way. We must uh, do so despite the opposition that is uh, confronting us as a Bible-believing church. And so I want to look over the shoulders of the wise men and uh, look at what it was that they were turning their backs upon. First of all, there was the religion of Hinduism. At the time of the birth of Jesus, it was already several thousand years old. It had temples, it had rituals, it had its own system of sacrifices. It had over a thousand hymns known as the Rig Veda. It had its holy books. It had a priestly class, people who would be able to explain what it was all about to the ordinary people who knew very little or about theological things. And Hindus believe today, as they believe then, in a multiplicity of so-called gods, not just one god, but many thousands, even many millions of gods. But they believe that behind all these gods, there is this one being whom they call Brahman, uh, who they believe created all things. But he is so remote, he is so unknowable, that you cannot approach him, you cannot have a relationship with him, and so you must approach him through one of these many lesser gods or goddesses. And there is no doubt in my mind that the Magi, as they're called, the wise men, were familiar with Hinduism because it spread over a very large part of the East, and the Persian Empire went a long way to the east. So these men would have been familiar with Hinduism. They would have been familiar with its concepts. They might have visited Hindu temples. They might have engaged in discussion with Hindu priests, but they turned their backs upon it and went on a long and arduous journey to the west because they were seeking something far, far better. They came seeking a king one who was truly the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And they came because they would have known that this was the King foretold by the prophets, the Messiah who would one day reign on David's throne and whose kingdom would last forever and ever. It would never come to an end. They might, possibly they were familiar that this was the very one spoken of in Isaiah, who was in fact mighty God, everlasting Father, wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. We saw his star in the east, they said, and have come to worship him. They would also have been familiar with Buddhism. Buddhism had its roots in Hinduism. It was by now 500 years old, and Buddha's teachings had long since been recorded. His followers had built many ornate temples all over the East, and it had its roots, as I said, in Hinduism, and Buddha claimed to have found the path to enlightenment. His followers fast, and they meditate because they seek to emulate him and find enlightenment. But these men, the wise men, turned their backs on Buddhism. The enlightenment that they sought was not to be found by emptying your mind and, and meditating inwardly. They, they journeyed west to meet the true source of enlightenment, the one who would one day grow into manhood and would make the claim that I am the light 
of the world, true enlightenment. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life, as Jesus says. And even as these men were traveling, the father of John the Baptist, as his son John was born, and he'd been unable to speak for uh, nine months, certainly began to prophesy in the power of the Holy Spirit. And in his prophecy, we read, because of the tender mercy of our God, the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. And until the illumination of the Lord Jesus Christ shines upon us, then we are indeed living in darkness and in the shadow of death. And other than Christ, there is no hope whatsoever. And so these men, the Magi, they came from the darkness of Eastern religion. They followed a bright star, a bright star that led them to an even brighter star. The one whose final name in scripture is the bright morning star. You know, Jesus has many, many names. Many years ago, a lady gave us a book and it's called The Hundred Names and Titles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the very last title of Jesus in the Bible in in, in Revelation 22 is that he is the bright morning star. You know what the bright morning star is? It's actually the planet Venus. And many years ago, and I think I might have told you this before, when I was in my 20s, I worked in the Sahara Desert. We were looking for oil and gas. And in the heat of the summer, we would sometimes sleep outside uh, because it was so uh, hot and uh, being inside a caravan was quite unbearable. And I noticed in the night sky, and when you see the night sky in the desert, but there's no light you know, to, uh, to upset the balance of things, you know, there, there is this vast panoply of millions and millions of stars. And I noticed there was one very bright star in the east. I didn't know at the time, but it was the planet Venus. And something remarkable happens. When the first rays of the sun come up from the east, all these millions of stars, they disappear from view, but one star continues to shine, and that's the planet Venus, the bright morning star. And I think that's the reason that that name was given to Jesus, uh, the very last name in the Bible. Because at the end of time, all the religions and philosophies of the world will sink back into the mire from which they came, but the light of Jesus will continue to shine forever and ever. And if you are a follower of Jesus today, then you will continue to shine with him. In him was life, we read in John's Gospel, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The wise men did understand it, and so they embarked on a two-year journey in search of the light. And we know that the royal chaplains uh, in Persia were known as Magi. That's the Greek name that's given to these men. And we know from Daniel that Persian kings sought out the wisest men they could find in order to be their counselors uh, to help them uh, to govern. And we know that the uh, a Persian Empire was vast. It spread right across 
uh, even into India. And I'm quite sure that these men, although we know so little about them, would have been familiar with the prophecy of Daniel. They would have known of his God-given vision of one like a son of man, as we read in chapter 7. One whose dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And I wonder, did they realize that the one whom they were traveling to visit was one and the same that Daniel himself had spoken of? And in Persia, the official religion of the kings of Persia was Zoroastrianism. And it was already 1,200 years old at the time of the birth of Christ. And these men would have been familiar uh, with its rituals and its beliefs. Daniel himself had served Persian kings, but he had never compromised the true faith. He had not adopted the faith of, the, of his royal masters, but he remained uh, faithful to the one true God. And so these men turned their backs on Eastern religion, and they journeyed, and they came to Jerusalem. They came to the center uh, of perhaps the greatest uh, temple in the world, the greatest center of organized religion. Did they enter into the temple? We're not told. Uh, as far as Matthew's concerned, it's not important. They didn't travel in order to visit an ornate temple. A temple, as Jesus would tell his disciples 30 years hence, uh, every stone would be cast down one from the other. But their journey did not end in a temple, even the ornate temple of Herod the Great, built on the foundation of Solomon's temple. The end of their journey was in a humble home in Bethlehem. They came not seeking religion, but seeking an individual, a person, the one who was born the King of the Jews, the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. And their arrival in Jerusalem caused consternation. Herod realized straight away who this was. He was not unfamiliar with the scriptures. And so he called uh, the religious men in Jerusalem and asked them, you know, where was the Christ? Straight away he realized that this was the Christ. Where was he to be born? And they told him it would, that he would be born in a Bethlehem in Judea. And if scripture stated that the Christ would be born in Bethlehem in Judea, then that is exactly where he would be born. And the men whom Herod consulted were men who uh, organized the religious rituals in the temple. They were men who were steeped in the scriptures. They were awaiting the coming of the Messiah. But despite that, they didn't rush off in excitement with the wise men to see this child who was born in Bethlehem. These men who had journeyed for almost two years. And so the wise men, the Magi, they traveled on alone. The religious leaders of Judaism had perhaps grown content with the routine and the ritual of temple worship. And they didn't want it to be disturbed. And so they stayed where they were. Where they were. But the wise men traveled on alone. And we read in verse 10, when they saw the star again, they were overjoyed. Literally, they rejoiced with a very great joy. Their joy 
knew no bounds. They had followed a star for two years and the star came and uh, was stationary over the house where Jesus was, journey's end. And then when they entered that house, they found themselves in a very humble home. They found themselves in the presence of a poor working class couple. And what was the reaction of these men, these men who were accustomed to being in palaces, who were accustomed to uh, giving advice to kings? Did they say to themselves, surely not, have we come all this way just for this? And the answer is no. They realized that they were in the presence of majesty. And so they bowed down with their faces to the ground. They were not worshipping at the feet of Mary, but they were worshipping this little child. And they gave him gifts fit for a king. And I wonder, do we share the joy of these men? As time passes, the joy that was ours when we first came to faith, as it somehow uh, diminished as the years pass. True religion is not about religion. True religion, if I can put it this way, is about knowing Jesus, knowing a person, knowing an individual, knowing a savior, knowing a redeemer. And through that redeemer, entering, entering into a relationship with the living God. These Magi turned their backs on the east. They traveled all the way to Bethlehem. And God, the true God, invites us also to emulate them. We know these men by, yes, they're called Magi, although it doesn't say that in this particular version of Scripture, but we know them as the wise men. And they were indeed wise men. They were wise because they recognized the true Savior of the world. And if we are wise also, then we will emulate them, and we too will bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, my friends, if we will not do so in this life, then we will most certainly be obliged to do so in the life to come. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, Magi, came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and are come to worship him. And that's what we do here, isn't it? Every Lord's Day and Wednesday, we worship him. But I hope we worship him 24-7, not just when we're here in this building. So amen, may the Lord add his blessing to these thoughts and meditations on his word. We thank you, eternal God, for uh, Matthew's testimony of these men. We know so little about them. We don't even know if there were three of them. It could have been two. It could have been ten. But they went on a two-year journey to find the true source of enlightenment, to find the one who is the light of the world. And he remains the light of the world. And Lord, may we who follow him and know that lightness, that light to surround us. So take away anything, Lord, said this morning that's not in conformity with your word. May the glory be yours and the blessings ours. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.